Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards podcast. It's great to have you with us. In this series, we dive deeper into the narratives we hold about God. Narratives play a fundamental role in forming a person's core identity, both for the positive or for the negative. So join us over the coming weeks as we explore the character of God displayed through the life and mission of Jesus. Joe did a wonderful job last week introducing us essentially to the power of stories and narratives. Now, I'm going to use the term narrative and you can exchange it with story and I'll use story and you can exchange it with narrative, right? So depending on what suits you. But this week we're starting off with the narrative that God is good. So for those who were here last week or saw it on the chart, I've adapted it just a little bit different, um, but you will have seen this. So alongside our exploration of narratives, um, we see that there are three things going on in this journey for us. So we're learning about narratives. We're going to be engaging in soul healing and feeding, right? So that's our spiritual exercises or soul training exercises. And what we're also going to do is we're going to participate in community. We're going to work these things through as a collective group. Now, the central part to adopting the narrative, engaging in soul training exercises and participating in community is the requirement of the Holy Spirit, right? So without the Holy Spirit, this is just another thing we fill our weeks with. So as we mentioned this week, we're gathering at John and Helen's and the goal is to actually look at how's God transforming our inner lives and how that transfers to our outer lives. So this week we're going to have a look at Jesus, which is in John 9. Uh, it's, the actual text is written on your front page that I've given you out. Um, and we're going to have a look at Jesus travelling with his disciples and they're discussing the situation of a man who was born, born blind. Sorry. So John 9, I have it up on here if you uh, don't have it in front of you. As he went along, meaning as Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Excuse me, he asked, sorry, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So what I want to do is just remind us of a couple of things as we go through this journey. The first thing I want to remind us is that this text is around 2,000 years old. So there are things that are going on in this story that differ very much from our life and our context. There were no phones, which we've all got. There were no cars, no drive-throughs for dinner on the way home. No Netflix, no Spotify. Hard to believe, isn't it? Right? We'd have music on 
these round circular things or these rectangular things. People generally travelled not in the comfort of the nice shoes that most of us are wearing or in air-conditioned cars. People's communication styles were very different. They didn't communicate with each other through emails, right? Messenger. They mainly communicated through stories and narratives. And it was done as they travelled together in groups and as they sat down and they ate meals together, right? So unlike today, families often lived under the same roof, sometimes with up to four generations, right? Anyone here have four generations under their roof? No? It's not very common. Now, we're discussing the blind man here, but thinking about medical things, if you were run well or you had a medical condition, there were no pharmacies for you to visit. There was no NDIS for you to access. If you were sick, there was no Medicare options available to you. If you were injured, your family was your main support, your only support in many ways. So as we read this, we need to understand that our context is very different to their context. What we know and understand as the world is very, very different. So within the context, we see that Jesus' 12 disciples are walking with Jesus. And they ask him a question about this man that they well knew. He was common. He was known to a lot of people. Why was he born blind? Now, the question actually wasn't just a passing thought. They didn't just walk by and go, oh, how come that dude's blind, right? That's not what was going on here. When they walked past, this was centred, this is a very deeply theological-centred question. And we can see it because they used the term rabbi, who sinned, right? Rabbi simply meaning teacher. Teacher, teach us something about this guy's story. So if we were to unwrap all of the layers, all the things behind this question, you might ask, what were the disciples looking to say? Well, it could have been framed like this. Jesus, if you're God, has this man suffered because he has done something to offend you. Did anyone think that when we read that passage? Jesus, if you are God, why has this man suffered? Has he done something against you to deserve this? Right? Now, it's not uncommon for the natural world in their day, and in cultures, some parts of the world today, where the natural world is deeply influenced by the supernatural world. Now, much of the tales about, you know, the gods, little g-gods, that are found in many cultures, these decisions and stories and characters of gods 
play a really big part in impacting human life, both for good or bad. So if we go to the stories of the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and the Greek mythology, we see that these stories are full of God, stories of gods in these cosmic battles with each other, right? The stories are filled with love, war, lots of tragedy, some triumph, but often they're played out within natural realms and supernatural realms. So in many cases, these two worlds, the supernatural and the natural world, were interconnected. Now, this is not so common in our storytelling in the West. We don't often gauge in that very much. But while we are talking about ancient cultures, we actually should just take a moment and have a look at ours and ask, well, what do we think about stories? What do we think about narratives? And are we as deeply shaped by these things as some of the ancient cultures have been? Anyone tell me what the two most common past times in the West is? Two most commons? Today? Sort of. Anybody? Movies? Watching TV? And reading books? What's the common theme? Stories, right? So we are deeply moulded by stories. The way we are looks very different. But most of the best-selling books across the world have been made into blockbuster movies, haven't they? So what we can see here is that humanity is actually wired towards stories. And for two reasons, I think. The first is because in some way we love to actually imagine ourselves and those around us in those stories, right? Ever had those moments where you watch a movie thinking, if I was the main character, this would have all gone better? How would it work out if I was the main character? What would happen if it was me and my friends, right, who were a part of this story? Would we actually have what it takes to overcome this trial or this adversity? The second thing I think that we love narratives and stories is actually to escape, to escape the world that we live in, the things we can't change. And we're wired in some way to be creative, to use our imagination, to dream of what could be, what's different, what's better. And we find ourselves wanting to take ourselves out of the things that we can't change and place ourselves into those things we hope to change. So it is true that narratives about God, the world around us, and each other matter because we tell ourselves stories all the time. Some of us tell others stories about ourselves all the time. (laughs) So what does God say about narratives? Well, it turns out that he's the best-selling author who would have known. um, But he he says something very interesting to the Israelites. Just as he calls them as a nation, he says this. Hey... 
Step one, first step of living in a nation of faith, hope, and love, right? You must discard all other gods and their narratives, right? It's the first and second commandments. Essentially, what God is saying here is this it's really important that your ear is turned towards the living God. And what I have to say about you as a people and the world you live in and the plans that I have for you and the world, right? Now, it might seem strange to us, but really what God is saying here is there is life in good stories and narratives. And there is death in bad stories and bad narratives. So he's saying to them, be very careful what you turn your ear to. So let's understand the character of God. And then let's have a look at how God's character and the little g God's characters interplay. And let's have a look at the difference and let's see whether we have narratives where our ears are turned towards God or whether our ears are turned towards things of death. Now, as I mentioned earlier, a common theme in most mythology is that gods behave badly, right? They're usually ruthless, moody, very controlling, And have you noticed they're very bloodthirsty? They're out for everyone's blood, right? Now, many of these gods could be appeased sometimes through sacrifices. Now, every time I say sacrifice, I think of King Julian, for those who have seen Madagascar. Anybody seen Madagascar? Okay. There is this wonderful scene where King Julian, and I won't explain it very well because I'll ruin it for you, but he's bent on trying to offer sacrifices to please the gods, right? I couldn't get the video working tonight, so we will leave it. But his premise is, if I can persuade the gods, right, by offering them a sacrifice, maybe they'll bless me, right? That was his whole, his whole point. Now, in many cultures, that is the case. And even in recent cultures, I was watching a documentary of uh, some communities in the Philippines who um, are fishing villages, and they actively take offerings each day, and they place it in a little raft, and they set it on fire, and they send it to their river god, right? So it's not just in cultures of old. It does actually happen today. But essentially the connection here is that these gods and human beings are distant, right? It's very transactional. It's very conditional. So the relationships set around conditions. And absolutely nothing is guaranteed. You could still sacrifice each day, have a flood, wipe out your whole community, right? So... This type of relationship with the gods put human beings in a very fearful and very anxious position. 
So it's not uncommon for cultures today to even offer seasonal offerings to try and keep the gods from smiting their families and communities. When we see things like natural disasters, volcanoes, famine, drought, pain and suffering, if you live outside the West, these can be attributed to the gods of being angry with you, right? Now, in the West, we dismiss these as unenlightened thinking. Unenlightened thinking, sorry. Well, in many ways, we've evolved and we've got scientific things and all of that. In some ways, we're arrogant because we think we know better, right? But the truth is that many of us still hold on to the central notion that the disciples were questioning Jesus on here. So what were they asking? This is what they were asking. Is God punishing this man because of sin? Anyone thought, wow, that person's cursed. They must have done some really bad things in their life. Right? Maybe God's angry with him. This must be payback for decisions that he or his parents have made. Right? We call that karma in some terms, don't we? Someone's doing silly stuff in the car, they have an accident and we laugh. We say, ha, ah, instant karma, don't we? Carry on like a clown, that's what happens. But at the bottom of it, what they're really saying is, surely this man suffers because he has offended God. Right? But on the other side of the scales, they're asking themselves, well, God created everything and everything God created was good. So therefore, this guy's born blind. He's cursed. Something's got to have gone wrong in the middle there, right? It's got to be a result of sin. So the truth is that we actually hold this mindset. And whether we think about it openly or we think about it quietly, many of us, when we are going well, when we're healthy and things are going good, we believe that God is blessing us and he is on our side. We all agree? God must be blessing what I'm doing. Things are working well. God is happy and he is pleased with me, right? Now, what I want to say here is that God does bless us for using wisdom. That wisdom belongs to God, right? But there is actually a blessing for engaging in his wisdom. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18 tells us that with his wisdom comes a blessing. Our lives become pleasant. It produces long life in us, wealth, honour and safety. Right? So there's fruit for being wise. And there is no doubt that God blesses those who use his wisdom. But often our first thought when something goes wrong, wow, 
Why is this happening? Can't believe it. Why is this all turned to custard so quickly? Oh, maybe I've sinned. And then you start thinking, oh, that's right, I cursed the guy on the way to work this morning. You know, you start rattling off all of the things. And then when it gets really bad, something happens. And we start to suffer, not just on a transactional level. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's a finance thing. Maybe it's a loss of someone we love. We really start to get into the, hang on, why is God causing me to suffer right now? What have I done that I deserve this in the eyes of God? Now, the false narrative here is that God is angry with human beings. He's angry when they sin. And he will punish them, just like the gods of mythology. At any moment, he will just decide as the perfect judge, time for Sharon to pay for it, time for Dan to pay for it. So the question we need to ask ourselves, how often do we feel like God is angry with us? Now for some of us we might think, oh, that's easy. I'm covered by grace, it's all good. I just live my life YOLO, right? But if you think about it, we really do, when stuff starts to go wrong in our lives, we really do turn around and say, God, where are you? Why are you angry with me? What have I done to deserve this? This was the question the disciples were asking. Jesus, what's this man done? That God would curse him like this. So what's the narrative that you hear when your world falls apart? When your relationships break down? So let's have a look at what Jesus says here. Remember, they've asked him, Teacher, would you give us some insight into this? What's really going on? It's what Jesus says, John 9, 3. He says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, if you read on to the end of John 9, you will see that the Pharisees, after they went over this guy, cross-examined him twice, brought his parents in to find out was he really blind? He couldn't have been blind. They were really mad at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. Amazing, right? But they cross-examined him. And when the guy testifies that this was the work of God, they said, don't speak to us because you're a sinner, right? So they labeled him something here that Jesus himself declares This did not happen because he sinned, nor his parents sinned. It happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. But Jesus says here in verse 6, the blind man went home, and he went home seeing. So just imagine walking through the front door. Hey, mum and dad, 
Good to see you guys. Right? Sorry, who's this guy? How did you get home anyway, by the way? What is the truth about God displayed by Jesus here? We see that God heals. Right? The works of God in this man's life was to bring light to his eyes. Amazing. Now the man testifies himself to the work of God. He says in John 9 verse 32, he says, No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind man born blind. If this man Jesus were not from God, he could do nothing. So if we consider this man's healing in light of the disciples' line of questioning and wondering, well, is God really angry with this guy? Is he a God that has punished this man for sin? Then it makes a lot of sense that if we consider it through the lens of mythology, that he was obviously born for a reason. He was born blind for another reason. And the reason the disciples have come to that place is because bad things don't happen to good people, right? Would we agree that that that's true? Good people don't get born cursed. Is that right? No. There is something in this. Is God unjust by allowing the curses of these types of things to rest upon people? But Jesus debunks their narrative. Jesus says to them here, actually, the God of the Bible is a God who firstly knows his creation. Secondly, he can heal his creation. Thirdly, he can save his creation. And he has a purpose for his creation. Jesus is saying to them, the God of the Bible isn't the distant, transactional, psychopathic, unknowable, burning with wrath God that you guys have associated him as when you look at this man's situation. In Psalms 103, he's pointing back to, he says this, he made known, meaning Yahweh, had made known his ways to Moses. He had made known his deeds to the people of Israel. In verse 8, he says, the Lord is compassionate and he is gracious. Would you say healing a, a blind person who's never seen would, fit in the category of compassion and grace, right? Slow to anger, abounding in love, that would be a very loving thing to do, wouldn't it? In verse 9 he says, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. In verse 10, He does not treat us 
as our sins deserve. This is King David. And remember, if, if he's got a checklist of things you shouldn't do, he's probably summed up a fair few of... He says God does not treat us as we deserve and he does not repay us according to our iniquities. So, the narrative for us today is, how do you understand God being good? Not in light of when things are going excellent, but when you're up against something that you can't fix or the doctors can't fix or an apology won't solve. Now, as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, is God a good God? And we often think sometimes he's good. But I haven't met any Christian yet who has heard God retract his salvation and say, oh, sorry, you missed out. Jesus decided to change his mind. I'm sorry about that. God's goodness stands in Jesus for forever. For anyone who will accept it. Right? Now there's no guarantee in life that things will go the way we have them in our mind. That's our narrative of God and his goodness. The cross of Christ is God's narrative of God's goodness. And it stands forever as the place of where God spoke and said, I wish that none would perish. So questions for us to ponder. Have you gotten away with something that you should have been busted for? I've gotten away with something I should have been busted for. I got a car airborne once, doing silly things, going very fast. Right? This won't be in the recording or the podcast because I edit it, so it's okay. <laughs> Right? Does God always repay you for what your sins deserve? I think most of us could say no. Do you hear God's voice as one of invitation or one of accusation? I'm going to jump to the last one. Do you hear an angry God when you read scriptures? Are there things in the Old Testament you can't reconcile with the New Testament? Old Covenant, New Covenant? And you've landed in God's bipolar? Right? 
the question I really want to ask is, have we taken a moment to receive God's compassion and grace towards us? Some of us have accepted his salvation in Jesus and that's a wonderful gift. But have we taken a moment to realise actually it's God's compassion and grace that comes behind that for the things that you can't undo, the things you wish you could take back? So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. Again, as I said, it's through the Holy Spirit that we adopt the narratives of Jesus. Last week, Joe said, it's not by your willpower. So if you're somebody who likes to control, someone likes to think it through, you need to have had all this stuff point by point by point by point, you're really going to struggle with this. Because it's not by your effort that you adopt the narrative of Jesus. It's through the wisdom and revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's Colossians 1. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you give us your wisdom and your revelation? Would you reveal your compassion and your grace towards us, Lord? And Lord, I just speak to every single narrative that raises itself up against the knowledge that you are good, God. We want to tear down the narratives that your sin cannot be forgiven, that God's angry with you when stuff goes bad. And I release in the name of Jesus compassion and grace over hearts and minds here. And we just say more, Lord. Open our revelation of you when we read the scriptures. Let us be reminded that it is not our normal context. We do need to do some work to land in some of those really tough scriptures. But you're faithful to lead us. Father, I ask that you would bring to mind now the false narratives. of where we blame you for stuff. You cannot possibly good because this happened to me. Or this person did this to me. If you're a good God, how could you have allowed this to take place? More Holy Spirit. We welcome your ministry.
we're going to run through this. We did this last week. I'm going to say it along with us. If you find that you're struggling to fill this section but something is in your mind but you're unable to say it, that's normally because there is something that is looking to hold on to it in your life. Right? And we disempower it by declaring the truth of it, by dragging it out of the darkness and bringing it into the light. Lord, I confess that I have allowed false narratives to affect the way that I relate to you. I have believed the lie that I forgive those who have contributed to my forming this false narrative. I ask you, God, to forgive me for receiving this false narrative, for living my life based on it, and for any way I have judged others because of it. I receive your forgiveness. I renounce and break my agreement with this narrative and any powers of darkness behind it. I choose to accept, believe and receive the truth that you are good or generous. So Lord, we thank you for your freedom and we thank you for the cross. Thank you that for all eternity it will stand as your mark of goodness pegged into the earth the moment where you stepped down and said come to me all who are thirsty and weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest <laughs>